Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Hello and welcome to Witch Bitches Review. I am a violent member of a clandestine Catholic cult so secret it has its own website. Tyler Carson Evans. And I'm a demon bridesmaid who just wants your big day to go well, especially if it means being a bitch to the caterer, Siren Rex Neenan. This is the podcast where two actual witches analyze representations of witchcraft in media and pop culture, beginning with our in-depth review of the original Charmed series. Today we're discussing Charmed Season 1, Episode 6, The Wedding from Hell. There's absolutely nothing clever or interesting about this title, much like the episode itself. (laughs) According to IMDb, this episode ranked 7.4 out of 10, which is too high. It's way too high. And is the one where Piper discovers a man who is being forced by evil beings to marry against his will, leading to a fight with the demonic wedding party. This episode was directed by Robert Ginty and written by Greg Elliott and Michael Pericone. Uh, This tidbit from showrunner Brad Kern really sums up my feelings about this episode. According to IMDb, Kern said he was embarrassed by the wedding from hell because it was all over the place and goofy. (laughs) Goofy. (laughs) After this, the demons were designed to be more realistic and human-like. And I guess that's true because this is the last episode for a while in which the demons have embarrassing facial transformations. They were trying to do Buffy and it did not work out. Yeah, and then when they do bring it back a little bit, but it's not quite as bad. Still bad. (laughs) It's still bad, but it makes a little bit more sense when they start to do it later. Yeah. So, we both have a lot of feelings about this episode, but I just want to start out by saying that this episode feels like two completely different plots slapped together into one episode. Which makes sense because two different people worked on it. Um, Not only does it not feel cohesive, but it also contains one of the worst bastardizations of a deity i think i've ever seen for real they use the namesake of hikate and they place it on a demon they completely fabricated for this episode now for those of you listening who are witches you'll understand why that's problematic and for those of you who are not and i know that there are some of you i'll explain a little bit here up top but we're also going to get into it a lot more later um, yeah. Hecate is one of the oldest goddesses associated with witchcraft. You can find references to her in most Greek and Italian traditions, as well as in the mythology as, as a whole, not just specifically in witchcraft from those regions. Um, Hecate is a figure that is not just prevalent in witchcraft, but is incredibly important to witches. A lot of people work very closely with her and have an intimate relationship with that goddess. Um, Hecate, along with Diana, are two figures that we see misrepresented a lot in media portrayals of witchcraft. Diana isn't present in this episode, but I've been reading The Book of Holy Strega by Raven Gramassi in my own craft study, and I realized there was a great deal of similarity between the two. And, And this isn't always true, but from what I can gather, they're sometimes thought of as the same goddess due to their similarities, which I thought was pretty interesting. It's just very cavalier, the way that they felt comfortable with bastardizing mm-hmm. Hecate in this episode. Um, like Tyler said, you know, she's she's just very prominent to witches overall. And I think even if a witch, Wiccan, or Pagan doesn't work with her or vibe with her, I think we all kind of know who she is and carry just a certain respect yeah, for the name. Absolutely. Given yeah. that reason. Um, 
And so that's why it was just the absolute worst goddess for them to do dirty like this. In my opinion. On a show about witchcraft, of all things. And let's get into the scene by scene. This episode opens on the grounds of a wealthy estate. Allison, who is the bride of this episode, has really terrible hair. And <laughs> I kind of I kind of thought she looked like Ellen DeGeneres She a has bit. mad lesbian vibes. And I don't mean that in a judgmental way. And uh, her fiancé, boring plain white guy number two, also known as Elliot, <laughs> um, offers her a flower. And they exchange some awkward dialogue about their wedding. And they fantasize about eloping. And Elliot's mother shows up and insists they get their marriage license immediately. Yeah. Um, mother's name is Grace, by the way. So we'll be calling her that from now on. She's somewhat of a main character in this episode. Somewhat. Who completely disappears at the end. <laughs> yeah. So um, so Grace is being really overbearing. So the next thing you know, a bitchy looking white blonde lady shows up. And Grace is very upset by her appearance. Um, her name is Jade. Jade Demone. Which is soups clever. Soups clever on the part of the writers here. I wonder what that could mean. Like, I don't know what to expect from this character. Um, You know, so Grace goes off to talk to her and like, what the fuck are you doing here? Jade says that she's there about the pact that they made. And uh, she reveals that years ago, she made a deal with Grace to give her wealth and money and power. And I do want to point out here that this this bit of lore won't be referenced until a little bit later. But um, in the lore of the show, this Demone, if you will, <laughs> is um, it's said that she only comes to Earth every 200 years. But we've just been told that she was here about 20 years ago. <laughs> and now she's back. So, math, y'all. <laughs> Uh, I have so many questions about this episode. First of all, who the fuck is Jade? Why is she here? Why did Grace talk to Jade like they were some like old friends or something when she's just the demon of the episode, first and foremost? And what kind of deal did they make? Like, I know that um, Hecate is sometimes associated with the crossroads, but not for like Faustian deal making. But I guess that's the, the direction that they took. Yeah, so spoilers, um, the the bitchy, vapid, petty, blonde woman who we will be calling Jade through most of the episode is actually Hecate. I know, hard to believe. Like, impossible to believe, actually. Or as they like to pronounce in the episode, Manicotti. Yeah, Hecate. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Anyway. Hecate like the pasta. <laughs> yes. Um, so... Jade's bitchy friend Kelly Rippa shows up and Jade says they'll be staying and Jade makes Elliot like faint and pass out and then Allison just like loses her goddamn shit. Loses her shit. Um, I do want to point out that uh, Jade's bitch friend is not actually played by Kelly Rippa, but I just can't think of anyone else when I look at her. So even though the character's name is Kirsten, we will be calling her Kelly Rippa for the rest of this episode. Okay. All right, so then we cut to the manor, and the screen tells us that it's one week later. Piper is taking a pregnancy test in the bathroom, and Prue wants in the bathroom. Um, There's all these kind of funny, like, pregnancy jokes 
um, with Prue. Prue says, you're positive. And Piper says, I hope not. And Prue says, I can't be late today. And Piper says, know the feeling. It's so much innuendo. Like, <laughs> a lot. Um, and actually, I do want to say about this point, while this episode is terrible, and I've mentioned this in previous episodes, the only thing that carries this episode through is the dynamic between the three main actresses. There are a lot of cute, like, sister moments in this episode, and that's really the only positive thing that I can say about it. Yeah, the rest of it is just, it's bad. But the sisters, the sisters do have really good chemistry in this one. They do. Um, And then, like, the end of this scene, Prue's like, I need in the bathroom, all my stuff's in there. And Piper says, well, go use mine, it's all downstairs. (laughs) And Prue is like, then why... Oh, whatever. And if any of you have ever lived with your sister, you know exactly what the fuck that is like. Um, Phoebe shows up and she's worried about hot water. Piper leaves the bathroom finally and Phoebe walks in and discovers the pregnancy test box and she touches it and has a premonition of this like demon baby being born. But why? So later in the episode, it is explained that the reason this demon, I refuse to call her Hecate, yeah. The reason that this demon has come to Earth is that she can have a baby that looks normal. That's some fucking Rosemary baby looking shit. And yet, like, when we see the baby and the premonition, it do not look normal. No. That is a not normal. It's like a little pig. It's like one of those... Did you have to ever have to dissect fetal pigs in high school? I did not. That's what it looks like. Luckily. um, I was actively involved in PETA in high school, so I would have turned that into a just political explosion let me tell you all right and then we have the opening credits okay so after the credits we now have piper who's no longer taking a pregnancy test although we have not seen the results what are they everyone wants to know anyway she's making just a bunch of food in the kitchen um there's some exposition where she explains to prue that she is catering the spencer wedding and she's worried they'll be mad because they hired French stereotype chef Moore. But of course, he's not doing it now because he was fired from the show. Um, <laughs> Phoebe walks in and she thinks they're talking about the demon baby. And then there's like a lot of other confusing innuendo going on there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it all ends with Phoebe having just no fucking idea what's going on. But she accepts a job to help Piper with catering. Yeah. <laughs> And then she's like, um, anyway, let's talk about that warlock you fucked. <laughs> and Piper is like, uh, no, I'd rather not. Let's not bring that up. No, thank you. No, thank you. Piper shows up at the Spencer estate and this priest accosts her begging to get into the compound. Um, Father Trask warns that. Hikate is the bearer of the demon child. And the guards take her away. And Piper is like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> that was that was really weird for me. Just the whole thing. Father Trask is not like an excellent planner. <laughs> I guess. No. Um, Honestly, he, he's a plot device. The only reason he exists is to get murdered, to get Andy to the estate, for it to be like, Oh, what are you doing here, Prue? Oh, what are you doing here, Andy? He he exists to get the the weapon into the story, but it happens in like such a confusing way that it ends up involving a bunch of other plot devices just to get the weapon into the hands of the 
charmed ones. It was just, it's not very, like, super cleverly executed. They could have easily just written it in that Prue found the poignard at work. <laughs> yeah, or, I mean, I don't know. I probably would have made fun of that, too. <laughs> but, um, anyway. What, what, what bugs me is just that, like, Father Trask is, like, desperate to get in and, like, kill somebody. So he waits until the moment that, like, the guards are coming to emerge from the bushes. It just doesn't, it doesn't try. And then he, like, stands out in the open and, like, tries to involve some innocent bystander in his plot to kill someone. I don't know about y'all, but if I'm just, like, driving to work and somebody comes up to me and is like, hey, can you give me a ride? I need to kill someone. I'm going to be like, no. (laughs) No, I don't think that I will. Hard pass. But that is just the kind of bullshit that priests are always up to, so I don't know. (laughs) At Buckland's, Prue is being a hoarder and using her stuff degree by cataloging (laughs) fertility artifacts with uh, that bitch Hannah. And Rex comes in and says that Phoebe is there. Prue leaves and Rex scolds Hannah for showing the artifact to Prue. And then they reference the wedding. And so it's kind of a subplot in this episode that like... Rex and Hannah have got some dirty dealings going on. This is another thing that I just felt was really poorly executed. Um, like Tyler said, um, there's, there are a couple of scenes with Rex and Hannah throughout the episode that basically just exist to clue in the viewer that they're probably evil, but they don't want to come out and say it, like, outright. But it all starts with this Hannah showing a fertility artifact to prove that is involved in a demotic plot that they don't want her involved in. So why did Hannah show it to her? I don't, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Much like the priest, they are bad planners. Yeah, just everyone's really bad at planning today. It must be Mercury retrograde. Uh, I guess so. I mean, I just, I edited, I finished like doing some promotion for our Thank you for not morphing episode. And we talked in that episode about how the demons were bad planners. And so I feel like that's just going to be a theme throughout the rest of this podcast. It is. Demons do not have critical thinking skills. (laughs) They do not. Um, But Phoebe and Prue talk about Phoebe's premonition. And Prue at first thinks Phoebe is pregnant. And Phoebe's like, what the fuck? No. And because Phoebe's the screw up. Because Phoebe is, yeah, she's the screw up. And Phoebe takes offense and thinks that, and tells her that Piper is the pregnant one with the warlock baby. And she's like, if you don't believe me, believe my power. Bitch, you didn't even see her face. Like, how can you believe your power? You don't know what's yeah, going on bit, either. A little bit cocky for someone who has no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> right? For somebody who is so lost in every scene that she's in for this entire episode, she's real confident <laughs> right now. Phoebe is also, like, extra, like, screw-uppy in this episode, <laughs> I think. Like, they, they really made her, like, act like the just your train wreck friend i guess in most of the scenes i think the two different writers were just not on the same page for this one at all so now we're cutting back to the spencer estate um grace is arguing with allison who wants to see white guy elliot yes grace is like sorry bitch he's marrying jade damone damone (laughs) not you and your weird ellen degeneres hair now (laughs) Get out of my fucking house. In the kitchen at the same estate, Piper is cooking, you know, now that she drove past Crazy Priest. She's in the kitchen cooking. Um, Phoebe shows up, has no trouble getting in. 
even though she's being paid under the table to help with the catering, which begs the question, why was it so hard for the priest to get in? <laughs> the security's but, not great at this at this stage. No, it's really not. Um, Phoebe is late, of course, like always, because she's a screw-up. Um, <laughs> Piper says something about having buns in the oven, and Phoebe says, you're not kidding. <laughs> we still got those pregnancy jokes. Oh my god. Um, so a butler comes in and says, the bride, Jade Damone, will see you now. And Piper's all like, mm, I don't think that's the bride, but okay. <laughs> so, Piper and Phoebe go in to see Grace and Jade. Jade is being fitted for her wedding dress, and is just kind of being like a brat and acting like she couldn't care less. Mm-hmm. Piper tells them that Chef Moore is gone, and she's doing their catering instead. Grace has this... Like, rich bitch moment where she... I actually love this line. There's <laughs> like, a little bit of comedy in the episode, even though it sucks. <laughs> she, like, looks at the butler and she's like, get me my pill. Oh, honey, if that's not a move. I think I missed that. I didn't hear that line. Oh, my God. It's, like, one of the best parts. Get me my pill. I long to say that to someone someday. <laughs> See, I, I was too focused on something that I'm going to talk about after we're done recapping this little part. All right. So anyway, so Piper, you know, starts trying to talk about how she's going to do a great job. And then Phoebe comes up with this speech, just making an ass out of herself. It's honest. It was honestly sort of uncomfortable to watch. She says, you don't know me. Hell, I don't even know me. (laughs) Awkward silence. (laughs) What an introduction. What a first impression. Um... (laughs) That's how I'm going to start introducing myself to people at work. (laughs) Yeah. And they'll probably be like, no, I don't know you because you're always on COVID leave. (laughs) (laughs) Ow. Bam. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Oh, come on. If I can't read you, who can I read? Fair enough. Fair enough. You're not wrong. So, anyway. So then Jade... She says, if there is even the slightest hitch, I will have your head. And then she says, just kidding. Ha ha. And um, then Piper has questions about the catering and Jade is like super bored. And she's like, just please go away. So um, while Jade is getting fitted for her dress, the seamstress stabs Jade in the leg with a pin and she doesn't react at all. And Jade just like bitchily dismisses her. But I want to talk about how one of the only black people in this episode is portrayed in a servant-like manner and is literally, she is positioned below a white person in the blocking. Like, microaggressions, people. I don't, I don't know how to interpret that because I thought the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, were they, were they doing that to portray like accurately how like, um, a lot of being rich is about white supremacy and looking down on and abusing your black servants, or did they just thoughtlessly create that image because they themselves, the writers and show creators, had bought into it? Like, I don't know. I don't think the people who wrote this episode were smart enough to know what they were doing, first of all. Well, yeah. But I just have issues with that in general. And it's not the only time that something like that happens in this show. No, it's not. Um, where the, some like the only black characters and more often than not, the only black female characters get just like 
the shit end of whatever is going on. Yeah. Um, this show was definitely not pro-black woman. Definitely not. There is not a single time I can think of where you can make the case that a black woman actor got a good role in this show. Can't think of anything. And if there was, like, a positive role, she gets killed. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I would describe that as not a positive role. (laughs) True. True. Um, so the guards lost the priest. Aw, man. Yeah, because they suck. <laughs> the, the security in this episode is so bad. I'm like, why did he even need Piper if he could just literally get caught and then <laughs> break free? Right. He he puts the poignard right by his D for some just like phallic weapon imagery. That was really phallic. Um, by the way, for for those of you who this is a new vocabulary word for, a, a poignard is a type of blade. See... I knew what it was, but I didn't know how to spell it. And so I had to look, <laughs> I had to look it up. <laughs> oh, honey. <laughs> um, so I think like my first Google search for the word, because I was trying to do research about like the Catholic order or whatever, I typed in pointy yard to just see. Oh, honey. Yeah. Oh, honey, no. Listen, the spelling bee really traumatized me and I just haven't thought about it a lot since, okay? Okay. Um, but how does, like, we talked about this sort of in the beginning. I don't understand how Father Trask's even really fits the story other than to get Andy there. Because Prue could have just found the knife at work. Well, if we're going to go that far, I don't see how Andy fits into this story either. <laughs> because there's really no point for him to be there either. Which is why I think they wrote in the murder, is so that Andy could be there. Yeah, but then he didn't. He doesn't... Okay, spoilers. He doesn't fucking do anything. (laughs) No. Like, he literally... Andy gets the poignard and gives it to Prue. And that is his only purpose (laughs) in this episode. He doesn't do shit. He doesn't. This is not so good police work. No, this this is a fine example of terrible police work. All right. So... Allison did not actually leave when she was supposed to. She's still there. So she breaks into the estate and she finds Elliot and he's like still all comatose like he was when she saw him faint. The security is just bad. Security is bad. Yeah, it is. Well, they were so busy losing Father Trask that they couldn't stop um, Allison from getting in either, which begs the question, why couldn't Father Trask just and like all of these <laughs> people. Um, so anyway, so um, Jade, Grace, and low-rent Kelly Ripa barge in. There's this big kerfuffle with all these confusing scenes going on, and then this, like, security alarm goes off. The security alarm, by the way, is the only part of the security system doing its job. <laughs> um, El- Allison is yelling to Elliot to you know, marry her still or whatever. And she's being escorted out by guards. Father Trask sneaks up the stairs. Piper and Phoebe are just kind of watching all this happen. And then they're like, hey, what if we go dump this problem on the butler instead of dealing with it ourselves? Because he probably cares a lot. Father Trask attacks Jade alone in her bedroom. And he calls her... Well, I want to say he calls her Hecate, but that's not what he calls her. What does he call her? Oh, God, I don't know. Hikate. Hikati. Who knows? They say it so many different ways in this fucking episode. <laughs> they do. Nobody... Like, I feel like every character has their own way of saying Hecate. Yeah, I mean, I... 
very interchangeably use Hecate and Hecate, but those are pretty common pronunciations of her name. I don't know where the fuck Hecate comes from. Um, well, it's pasta, so I'm pretty sure it comes from Italy. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so, um, Jade slash Hecate is soups not intimidated by Trask approaching her with the poignard. Um, Kelly Ripa emerges from behind him and snaps Father Trask's neck. Oh my god. And the next thing you know, there's a breaking window... And everyone gathers outside to see that Father Trask has been thrown out the window and he's dead on the ground. The security really sucks here. Yeah, and then just everyone, just like all these people, assemble at the scene of the dead body. The entire staff of the estate is just all gathered around to, to witness the dead priest. So Phoebe and Piper are talking to Allison, who loves Elliot, but she like bounces real quick she really she stuck around the murder scene to talk about how much she loves ellie (laughs) yeah she's just standing there she's like she's staring at the dead body and like wiping her tears away and she's like oh it's so sad that i can't marry this boring white man (laughs) (laughs) like i know you've been through some shit allison but maybe this is your sign to walk away (laughs) yeah and there's too much drama at school yeah like do you really want to be in this family (laughs) I, I would not. I would not. But she she loves Elliot for some reason. <laughs> if Elliot were a flavor, it would just be plain. <laughs> <laughs> like those white, tasteless airheads that came out in the 90s. I was thinking more like plain shredded wheat. Oh. Um, Jade is annoyed at being questioned by Andy. And she says that the priest attacked her. And she dodged him, and he dramatically flung himself out the window. And then she's like, anyway, I'm really busy, so bye. And Andy and Daryl are like, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> Basically. And so they look up, and Andy's like, wow, he went really far. Do you really think he jumped? And then they look at each other, and they're like, murder. No, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. So the next thing we know, um, Kelly Ripa is talking to Grace, and Grace is all mad. She says, killing a priest wasn't part of our deal. And um, Kelly Ripa is basically like, I'm going to need you to shut the fuck up. And then she <laughs> vaguely threatens to throw her over the banister. Um, in this, in this, I, okay, I really feel like they miscast this actor, this actress. Mm-hmm. Because she's like campy, but she really speaks to me for some reason. Like she just like the way she says everything is super funny, and she's really good at being like scary and angry. Yeah, and she's like, what does she say? She says, "And need I remind you, Miss Spencer, we're still on the second floor." <laughs> and then she gestures over the banister, like that- I'm gonna fucking throw your fat rich ass. <laughs> that was spot on. That was fun. Well, that's because I super identify with her. So. I feel like she should have been cast as the main villain in the girl. She that, should have. She definitely should have. I haven't mentioned yet, but the actress that's playing Jade is bad. She's not good. She's not good at all. Um, Rex and Prue are talking about the other fertility artifact, the, the male one to the female one. And Rex is like, so are you going to go to the demon wedding or what's the deal there? Cool. Cool, 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 cool. And then Rex leaves Prue's office to go see Hannah. 
And he tells her that they can't go to the demon wedding. And then Hannah's like, oh, poo. And then Rex is like, well, let's just go see a football match to watch the players get injured. I thought about this for much longer than I wanted to. And I just was going back and forth in my mind, like in the shower earlier today. Like, was he talking about football or soccer? I just don't know. Well, he's English, so I would assume probably soccer. Who says football match? No one in America. (laughs) Well, he's not American. Well, I get that. But the point is, like, it doesn't fucking matter, but, like, it bothered me. (laughs) (laughs) That's I think that's just, like, being gay in a nutshell. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, now that you explain it like that, it makes more sense. (laughs) Oh. God. And then still at Buckland's, Andy walks in on Prue fondling the artifact's doodle. <laughs> um, and when I was taking notes on this episode and they kept saying artifact is like a penis metaphor, I thought, man, I would really play with Andy's artifact. <laughs> oh my God, are you still fucking on that? <laughs> I, honestly, I don't think I'm ever going to get off of it until it's with <laughs> until it's with Andy. Until he fucking dies. Um, oh my god, yeah. So, <laughs> no, Ted King is a very attractive man. I, I would never say that he wasn't. But I know you were, like, super into his, like, positive masculine energy in the last episode, but in this episode, he's fucking useless. And... But sometimes I'm into that, too. Okay. Alright, so, um... To, to finish Father Trask's plot device, basically, Andy has brought the poignard to Prue, the poignard from the murder scene, to get her expertise on it as if that will somehow have anything to do with the murder case of someone who was thrown out a window. <laughs> that is pretty shoddy exposition <laughs> if you ask yeah me. it's it's not good this whole plot it's not okay i'm sorry it is it is absolutely not i don't even know anything about police procedure but i do know that it is absolutely not proper procedure to take a piece of evidence to your girlfriend when it's not even in a plastic bag and just hand it to her and be like what do you think <laughs> Well, That's not right. It's it's not. It's and not. then and then if your girlfriend takes this weapon from you and she's like, "Hmm, I don't really know, but I am going to keep this with me and I'm going to leave." <laughs> <laughs> Is that cool? <laughs> um <laughs> but I'm I'm getting I'm getting a little ahead of myself there. <laughs> they spend a lot of time looking at this poignard and Prue like grabs a couple of books and she gets her like chunky cereal box laptop out and starts trying to look stuff up and she talks of she reads the inscription on the poignard, right? And Shannon Doherty, I'm kind of convinced, is not saying any of that right. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in Latin it's supposed to say, I shall not rest until the demon is vanquished. And according to Google Translate, when I did this earlier, it says, nor does he stop. (laughs) What? Oh, no, come on. Come on. I want to get your shit together. Okay. It says, nor does he stop trampling the port of amending such. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, that's beautiful. And then Andy just takes her words at, words at face value and is like, yeah, cool. I found it at your sister's catering job. <laughs> you know, this incident has really caused me to call into question Prue's expertise. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. This is not the last time we will see her translate Latin. Oh my god. Oh, I can't wait to see how fucked up the rest of it is. <laughs> I'm going to do it every time. Every time. <laughs> Say that again. Tell me one more time. It says, nor does he stop trampling the port of amending such. It's <laughs> not even, that's word salad. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it's beautiful. I love it. Oh, God. I would put that in my book of shadows. <laughs> that's my new favorite spell. <laughs> nor does he stop trampling the port of amending such. So mote it be. So mote it be. Oh, God. And then in like two seconds, Prue pulls up this terrifying picture of the demon and an article about the poignard that's titled The Order of the Stephanine Cross. And I tried to look up if there were like, there was any factual information or this was based on anything that like really existed within Catholicism. No. Nothing. Totally made, totally made up. The only thing that comes up when you type that in is an article from the Charmed fandom. Oh, geez. Wiki. Yeah. Okay. And so I just find it really funny how the writers of this episode thought it appropriate to make up an entire sect of the Catholic Church, but didn't think twice about misrepresenting a goddess of witchcraft on a show about witches. This is, in essence, Christian privilege, is what that is. Because they knew very well if they misrepresented an actual sect of a Judeo-Christian religion, there would be backlash. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And they had enough respect for Christianity not to do that. But when it comes to Hecate, who may not have been real to them, but is very real to lots of pagans, they did not have the same concern. And that is bullshit. Total bullshit. I, I didn't realize that uh, the three sisters were the Catholic ones and not the charmed ones. <laughs> so, okay, ew, because I would not watch that show. I would not watch that show. Um, yeah, I just, it, it really is just taking that into account after doing some more research is really offensive. More than I thought this episode was offensive before to know that they mm-hmm. felt comfortable to attach all of this made up demonic stuff to a really important figure in witchcraft and then just fabricated sect of the Catholic Church because they were afraid of what people would say. And it makes me wonder, because I didn't think to do research on this before we started uh, recording this episode, I wonder how witches that were fans of the show at the time reacted to that. Probably not well, I would assume. That is an interesting question and maybe one will have to get into an answer at some point. I think so. Maybe that would be a good bonus episode. Yeah. For some of our listeners. Um, yeah. So let's let's move on from that because there's a lot more to talk about and we'll probably get to cover that point several more times throughout. Yeah. The if you think we're done being offended about this representation of Hecate, you are mistaken. <laughs> Quite. Back at Halliwell Manor, um, Piper is getting all these like wedding favors out, like napkins and invitations and stuff, and um don't ask me why the caterer has invitations, but she <laughs> does. Um, 
<laughs> so anyway, so she's looking at stuff and she's like, yeah, it doesn't say Jade Damone on any of this stuff. It says Allison made up last name is supposed to marry Elliot Spencer. Do they you- don't even say, they don't even say her last name. They just say Allison and Elliot. Oh, because she's a woman and she's just going to absorb his last name anyway. Yeah, her identity before she's married. Can I just briefly mention that I hate the fact that their names are Allison and Elliot because they're almost exactly the same. (laughs) And it just, like, when you, it just, I just don't, it's just, I don't like it. I want to give you a reason why, but I'm just sputtering. It just, they just sound the same. I don't like it. Okay. But anyway. They are very similar names and they are very similar looking. And they people. are very similar white people and they have very similar haircuts. So anyway, so Piper's like, Phoebe, please listen to me. This wedding is fucked up. And Phoebe is like, um, Piper, please listen to me. You're Hakati, like the pasta. And <laughs> I have to kill you, but don't worry. I can't kill you until I find this knife. And then Prue walks in and she's like, do you mean this knife with which you are threatening to kill our sister? Here it is. (laughs) Here it is. So anyway, Piper's like, um, what the fuck? And Phoebe's like, well, you're pregnant with a demon baby. And Piper says, first of all, I'm not pregnant. And then (laughs) everyone's like, soup's relieved. Oh my gosh, thank goodness, Piper. Yeah. Thank goodness. So Phoebe fesses up to going through the trash like a judgmental raccoon to look at <laughs> her pregnancy test. And then Prue is like, well, you're both stupid because Jade, who you have both met and I have not, is a demon. And I know this. And then what Hecate's lore and goal is explained. You know, she comes to Earth every 200 years, except for 20 years ago. That was a bit of a fluke. <laughs> and she needs to marry someone in a sanctified white wedding and get pregnant and have a demon baby. <laughs> a normal looking demon baby. Yeah, a normal looking normal demon looking. baby, which is not at all what we saw in Phoebe's premonition. But I guess... I read a fan theory as I was researching this episode. Oh, oh please Yeah. Do. And I read a fan theory that a character we have not met yet, Cole, might be the child of Hakani. Because the age range kind of makes sense for her to have been here and married a man and had a child and then disappeared again. You can't see me, listeners, but I'm making surprised Pikachu face right now. (laughs) Interesting. I don't know if I believe it, but it seemed logical to me. Okay, well, now that I've had a moment to think about it and rearrange my face so I don't look like a meme anymore, um, that doesn't fit the time constraint either. It doesn't, because Cole's only like 124 or something. Yeah, well, okay, so Cole's age um, vacillates between 117 and 100, depending on what the writers think is appropriate for an episode. Oh, God, yeah. But, um, so either way, he's not 200 years old, so. No. I still kind of like the theory, though. I mean, you know, they they did get the information about how often Hecate comes to Earth from, like, a website. (laughs) So maybe it's just wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Information on this demon exists on the internet. Information on a secret Catholic 
order exists on the internet. By the way, this is another fun fact about this episode. This is both the first and last time that they get their information about demons from the internet. (laughs) And again, it all, it's just like fruit of the poisonous tree, basically. Like it, um, it's stupid. It only happened because Andy had to give Prue the poignard at her office instead of at the house. If they'd been at the house, they would have just used the book. But of course, Prue doesn't have the Book of Shadows with her at work, so that necessitated the plot device of her getting on the internet to look up Hecate instead of the Book of Shadows. So it's really just stupid. The The book that Phoebe shows Piper the picture of the poignard in is not the Book of Shadows. It is like an encyclopedia with like a laminate-looking page. So they didn't use the Book of Shadows at all in this episode. They don't bother to use the book at all. Well, they pretend that they do. There's a scene towards the end where the book is on the table and they're like, so according to the Book of Shadows, this, this, and this. And we're just like, we know that you use Wikipedia. But they're big fat liars. We know. We saw you do it on your Captain Crunch laptop. (laughs) I don't even know what that means. Her just, I felt like her laptop looked like a cereal box. (laughs) So I'm making fun of it. Let me have my thing. Okay, so now that the episode has revealed to us what they consider the lore of Hecate, um, let's get into the actual lore behind Hecate so we can talk about how fucking wrong it all is. Let's break it down. You did a lot of research. I want to hear you talk about this. Okay, as we've covered, um, we're both finding this portrayal of Hecate pretty insulting for a lot of reasons we've already gone over. Hecate is an important goddess to many witches, Wiccans, and pagans. Um, I would call this portrayal of her basically a vapid, whitewashed straw woman, and it's mad insulting. It's really insulting, yeah. So the actual Hecate, let's talk about her. Um, She's mostly known as a Grecian goddess, although it's possible that she's older than ancient Greece. But in Greece, she is the goddess of many things, among them witchcraft, herbalism, the crossroads, boundaries, death, the afterlife, ghosts, and necromancy, the moon, dogs, protection of the home, wisdom, and fertility. Miss Hecate wears many hats. She does. She does. Um, This has a lot to do with, of course, the fact that myths evolve over time as deities go from one location to the next and the needs of societies change over time. Um, But Hecate's managed to hold on to pretty much all of these associations and they kind of, I guess, bind together into a just a very layered, nuanced deity Um, And that included with the fact that, of course, one of her main associations is witchcraft is probably why she's still so popular among modern witches. She was originally depicted as a singular woman, but um, at some point she began being sculpted as a triple goddess, um, taking on the aspects of the Maiden Mother and Crone, which is another reason that she's probably so popular in Wicca, which um, some branches of Wicca obviously value the theology of the Maiden Mother and Crone. Although, also in Wicca and modern neo-paganism, she's often associated with just the crone aspect of the triple goddess. I've heard that a lot of different places. Hecate's origins are delightfully unclear. Uh, While she was popularized in ancient Greece, it's uh, unlikely that she actually originated there. 
There's a lot of unproven conjecture about her origins. One theory is that she and Artemis were once the same deity and Hecate uh, took on the darker aspects and Artemis kept the lighter ones. She may have also been imported from Egyptian mythology. She may have been known as the goddess Hecate, goddess of fertility, childbirth, and magic. And still others claim that she was imported from Anatolia, which has an old cultural history of naming children after her. Hecate existed and was worshipped in the region of Greece long before the Greek Olympian pantheon was created. Hecate's real old, and a lot of different things have been associated with her over the course of her moving from place to place and being recognized by different people. Um, as I said up at the top, there are theories that she and Diana are the, are similar goddesses or even regarded as the same goddess. This is just such an inaccurate portrayal that it's hard to even... It's actually really terrible because as we're beginning to demonstrate here, um, she does have so many different aspects and so many ways that a portrayal of her could go. And yet with that variation possible they still managed to miss the mark completely (laughs) yeah like i'm even having trouble like putting thoughts together into you know everything that hecate encompasses and they still did such a poor job representing her that it's just totally unforgivable in my opinion i hate this episode i really do yeah it's terrible um so i did pull out this quote from the oxford classical dictionary about hecate which i really like and it says She is more at home on the fringes than in the center of Greek polytheism. Intrinsically ambivalent and polymorphous, she straddles conventional boundaries and eludes definition. Um, Given that, I think it's no wonder that she's popular among modern witches. I feel like that quote kind of describes witchcraft. (laughs) And I love it. I just love it. It really does. I think that's a wonderful way to describe witchcraft in general and Hecate. Um, I don't work with Hecate personally. I never have felt called to her. I don't really know why because I have a great deal of respect for her and for those that work with her. Her energy has never been something that's drew me in really so I I mean I think she's awesome um, of of the the deities that I work with mainly when I even work with deities. She's not um at the top of my list necessarily but i i also just sort of feel like i'm there's a bit of that archetype in everything that i do or everything i try to do i think that's why that's a real reason why hecate is so prominent um even if we're not worshiping her or praying to her or invoking her name the things that she represents are the things that we as witches are trying to cultivate within ourselves So I kind of feel like by seeing that, almost anyone who's practicing witchcraft is kind of working with the energy and idea of Hecate, whether or not they're calling her by name. I love that. And I think that Hecate being a goddess of witchcraft, as you said, sort of encompasses all of us anyway. But I think it's interesting that there are some people that... um, focus solely on her and kind of nothing else the way the the i've seen some people rely upon her the way that christians rely upon their god at times which i think is really interesting that there's that parallel in the divine feminine for some witches i mean i think that's perfectly okay i think so too i think so too deity is not something that i work with a lot at all 
Um, it's only something that I very recently started to get into. So like, that's probably a big reason why I've never worked with Hecate because I don't work with deity all that often. And when I do, it's very generalized. I don't care for super specific, um, deity work. And that could also be because I'm kind of a lazy witch and I don't want to devote that much time. (laughs) (laughs) You are soups lazy, bro. I am such a lazy witch. It's cool. There's, there's no right or wrong way to uh interact with deity whether you choose to or not while being a witch that's it's like whatever but i guess what we're trying to say is even if hecate is not an important part of your practice maybe don't like completely bastardize her on television (laughs) however to be fair um i did make a list of ways in which this depiction of hecate could resemble some of her mythology, but I'm going to go ahead and preface all of it with this is pretty loose and doesn't really justify what they did to her here. Okay, so number one, um, Hecate is associated with fertility. Um, It's thought that that is probably one of her earliest aspects and fertility is probably one of her least prevalent aspects now as far as her worship is considered but she is still a goddess of fertility and the hecate in this episode wants to have a baby pretty loose but worth mentioning when you get into divine feminine representation in general a lot of it has to do with fertility um it's true which goes to show like that as these figures evolve with the needs of society as you spoke about earlier like fertility used to be the only thing that a woman was good for in the eyes of society at the point where some of these myths originated. And so the fact that so many goddesses are associated with fertility is really interesting to me when we take in like the sociological elements of the time period where the mythos originated. Well, I do agree with that, but you also have to remember that fertility goddesses weren't just about women's wombs. They were also about crops. True. So, I mean, that has its whole like um, either inspiring or problematic (laughs) um, connection of women being like land. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah but considering that in a a lot of time periods when pagan gods were worshipped the success of crops was crucial to like the society staying alive it's a pretty important role for a woman to have in keeping the whole society alive so okay number two um this one is the closest i can get to justifying what's going on with jade here um in some early writings i'm talking like 100 common era okay um hecate is described as being a hideous goddess but she wears a mask when she leaves the underworld so that humans and other gods can stand to look at her and um in this episode hecate is a quote-unquote conventionally attractive blonde lady but she reveals her true face as this hideous demon so that sort of goes along with that But I think this is likely coincidental because at this point in the show, every single demon we encounter has this like stupid, ugly face under their human face. So it's probably irrelevant. Uh, Number three, she casts spells. Well, one spell. (laughs) A spell. A spell. Okay. Um, And number four, um, her youthful appearance as Jade and her monstrous appearance as Hecate could reference her triplicity as the maiden mother and crone just missing the mother aspect. But that's a bit of a stretch. And uh, 
that's all I got. That's the best I could do <laughs> trying to justify this bullshit. That was a noble attempt at trying to find some substance in this. Like, we're already... It's interesting, like, we're an hour into recording now and we're almost done with the scene-by-scene stuff and normally this takes us a lot longer. But there's just... The stuff to cut into here is just stuff that we are... It's like... It's just stupid. Yeah. We're point-blank period about it that, like, this is not what this means. This is stupid. Um, And we're kind of just zooming through it because there's not there's nothing to talk about other than the fact that like this is not an okay thing to do and this is wrong this is not what hecate is well i think that we are making the best of this episode because what we have here is hecate you know being really done dirty by the media and so we are seizing upon this opportunity to use our platform to talk about who hecate really is and yeah. if for some reason there are people listening whose only experience of her is this episode of Charmed, well, first of all, honey, that's horrible. Um, but second of all, at least you can hear about the real goddess from us right now. And that's what we're doing with this crap. So, yay. I'm I'm really into, and this is very off topic, but I just watched it before we started recording. I'm very into what the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina has done with their representation of Hecate. Loving that for them. Well, you cannot talk about that anymore without giving me spoilers. So. Um, it's important to note when talking about the mythology of Hecate that she's not good or evil, but she's neutral in her whims, which is... Kind of an ethic of witchcraft, depending on how you practice. Very much so. She can both protect and destroy. That reminds me of the line in the craft that true magic is neither black nor white. It's both because nature is both. And I think that applies to Hecate too. Um, Portraying her as a selfish demon is just wildly inaccurate. But it would be no more correct to show her as a benevolent goddess either. Because Hecate is both. She's multifaceted, as we have learned. You know, she is a goddess that has many hats and brings home the mythological bacon. Okay, so let's just wrap up talking about the real Hecate with one yes. final point. Um, So this version of Hecate portrays traditional femininity as the enemy. And it is in a way that I think is toxic and not at all feminist. The signatures of her evil are wanting to get married and have a baby. Um, Hecate is, of course, also a homewrecker because she's stolen Allison's man from her. This, oh. The whole storyline is a petty reality TV show drama with a demonic amp. It's basically the signatures of traditional femininity are evil and other women are to be competed against. Is basically the gist of what they have done to a goddess who represents feminine power. (laughs) And that to me is the killing blow on this. Um, I know that in the nineties we were, well, I say we, I was like two, but in the nineties society was kind of grappling with this whole, can women have careers and families thing still, which by the way is stupid because yes, women can do whatever the fuck they want. Just like men. But the point is, I just feel like this is, this is sort of a, almost like a straw feminist take. And by straw, I mean that it's masquerading as feminism while not actually being feminist. Showing a woman wanting 
to just get married and have a baby and trampling over other women to do it. It's just like just a very sickening kind of like backlash kind of thing, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, in this point in Charmed, um, none of them have families save for each other. Piper and Prue are both career women. And Phoebe is this, like, free spirit, can't be tied down. They are both representing traditional... I'm sorry. They are all three representing traditional feminism of the 90s with these characterizations. And then the first other powerful woman we see represents all these traditional values of femininity, and she's evil. I didn't even make that connection at all. That's really... That's a good point. Well, I have been called on occasion several times throughout my entire life a raging feminazi. So it is my job (laughs) to point these things out. I'm Um, glad that you pointed it out. I think that's a really important thing to talk about. It is. And what I want to say to our listeners is that if you are a woman and what you want in life is to get married and have a family, that's okay. That's fine. As long as you are doing what you want. Yeah, it sounds hella gross to me, but you do you, boo. So to to be sure that Jade is evil, um, the sisters decide to go do some reconnaissance at the bachelor party or the bachelorette party. And Prue sees Jade open that fertility icon and she's like, that's from my work. And note about that. She acts super surprised to see it, except Rex already told her that it was a gift for them. Oh my god, he did, didn't, didn't he? <laughs> he? He did. He did. Do you know what else I want to bring up here? Um, they are skulking on the grounds of the estate at night, peering through a window, and they had no problem with security doing it. Where is the security? Where's the security? <laughs> it was just a murder. <laughs> like, oh god. Ugh. Um, a pizza guy comes in and starts, and, and initially Piper is very offended that they ordered pizza because they have not touched her food. And, but it turns out that the pizza guy is a stripper. So they're cool with it and they start watching him. And then the stripper gets eaten. And I have some issues with this because it devalues sex workers. That is so true. And I also want to say that I know you don't agree with me, but I thought the stripper was like super hot. I did not. Oh my God. He was was so my type. He was so my type. Okay. Okay. When he, like, pulled his hair out of his ponytail. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> I don't know. He just didn't do it for me. He didn't do more. It was very much one of those, like, hot for the 90s kind of guys to me. Um, He would be just as hot right now, but okay. He's probably not just as hot right now. Well, no, because that was, like, a million years ago, but... Um, but, yeah, I feel like this is a trope that happens where strippers get murdered a lot. That's and true. Stripper, we don't normally see it happening to male strippers, but... No, normally it's female strippers. It's and, still a problem with sex workers being represented on television. You're absolutely right. Well, honestly, I would even go as far to say that it's a problem with sex workers in real life. Well, yeah. The way that yeah. we devalue sex workers and strippers specifically, like, their lives are in danger a lot of the time. Because of, you know, men. <laughs> but... Or in this I, case... Women. Or in this case, women. But I wanted to point it out because I felt like it's something that too often goes unnoticed. Is that we really need to... Yeah. Because he's such a like he's such a filler character. He's there to look good and then they dispose of him. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that. So 
I just wanted to draw attention to it. Well, what you said goes back to kind of a theme I keep harping on in every episode, (laughs) quite honestly. But he is a quote-unquote filler character who's just there to die. Charmed and shows like it do this a lot, where they introduce characters that we know absolutely nothing about them. We have no attachment to them whatsoever. And then we watch them die. And because we don't have any frame of reference for them as real people, watching them die doesn't affect us that much. And... To me, I feel like that really contributes to our society being desensitized to violence. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so let's move on to the next morning. Uh, the sisters plan to ruin the wedding and reunite Elliot and Allison. From this point, there are several like little scenes that take like 10 to 30 seconds. So it's going to dart around a lot. And I'm sorry. Just remember, it's not our fucking fault. <laughs> So we're at the police station and Daryl reveals that Father Trask's neck was broken before he fell out the window. I don't know exactly how you can tell that. Um, Um, Like, I mean, I'm sure like Temperance Brennan could, but who's that? Oh, my God. From Bones. (laughs) Oh, Sorry, I can't watch that show because I just think David Boreanaz is Angel and I can't handle... Okay, well, I'm gonna tell you that it's really worth it for Emily Deschanel. She's fucking fantastic. Um, anyway. But it's like time of death and then consistent, like, types of injury. I've watched a lot of, like, NCIS, so I know... Okay, well, I suppose there's, like, a perfectly valid reason that they know that, but I just think it's stupid and I think everything they say is made up. So... Anyway, so now they both look at each other and they're like, murder. Murder. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and that's pretty much it for that scene. Wasn't that fun? (laughs) Now we're at the manor and Allison shows up and Prue greets her. And she's like, I don't know why you invited me over here and I don't know you, but I came anyway. Because that's the kind of person Mm -hmm. I am. And probably how I end up getting strung along in weird-ass relationships like this one. (laughs) So, um, Allison tells her story about, you know, how she was engaged to Elliot, and then, like, a little bit ago, everything goes wrong. I actually didn't notice this. IMDB told me this. But, um, at one point in this conversation, Allison says that everything was fine until six days ago, but this sentence was, like, halfway dubbed. Um, her lips say weeks, but the audio says days, and then the rest of the sentence is dubbed and does not match up with the movement of her mouth. Oh, I didn't notice it either, but that's because Allison's kind of a boring character and I don't really pay attention I know. when she talks. Yeah, because I just like wasn't paying attention There are better things for you to be doing than pining over this guy, Allison. He's boring. There really are. But you know, I've mentioned in a previous episode that Charmed, in their dialogue, have a really sketchy relationship with time. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Because, you know... In the beginning of the episode, they tell us that the main plot takes place one week after Elliot was attacked by Jade. But then, apparently later in the script, probably because it was written by two people, they had Allison say that it was six weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then they had to fix it post-production. Yeah. This episode is just a fucking mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. Okay, so anyway, so Allison is crying about how she can't see Elliot, and he's not in his, like, lifeless, comatose body anyway. 
Um, but Prue says that Elliot loves her and not Jade, and she tells her very calmly to crash the wedding and gives this really weird, inspiring speech that if you don't know the context of the show, like, makes Prue sound like a fucking crazy person. And then to cap it all off, she references Touched by an Angel. <laughs> oh, wait, that's a real show? That's a- Oh, yeah, it's a real show. Oh. Um, I- I, there were probably some reason that she couldn't flat out say it, but she was referencing a real show. Prue says, you know that show where the angel goes around and helps strangers all the time? And Allison's like, I love that show because it's flighty, like me. <laughs> and then Prue's like, well, I'm nothing like that, even though I'm sort of exactly like that. I'm just a bitch and a hypocrite and a slut, but otherwise I'm an angel who helps people. <laughs> I'm just kind of rambling at this point. But the point is <laughs> that Prue tells Allison that they just need to crash the wedding and she's going to help her. And Allison agrees to this, which is insane. Yeah, it's wild. But Allison is, you know, a very pliable person. So at the estate, Grace is sad talking to her zombie groom son. And Piper <laughs> and Phoebe go to try to talk to Elliot, but then low rent Kelly Rippa is pissed and she's like no oh let me do her line let me do her line let me do her line you do her line i love this line okay kelly ripa says what part of no did you not understand and then piper's like the non-original part (laughs) but grace comes out and agrees to talk to piper and phoebe and piper's like elliot isn't supposed to marry jade and grace is like duh um And tells them to go wait for them in the wine cellar. But she doesn't show. They go to the wine cellar and then they get ambushed by the bridesmaids. The demon bridesmaids. Who are fucking scary. The, um, the nameless demon bridesmaids. Not including my hero demon, Kelly Ripa. Yes. Kelly Ripa's not there. She has to guard Elliot. She has to make sure nobody gets to that D. Um. (laughs) But Piper tries to freeze them, but... She's not close enough. And I wrote a note about this. Why? Why? Yeah. No, I totally get that. Because I thought, I thought it was super inconsistent too, that she couldn't freeze them. Because in that scene in episode two, she freezes like the entire restaurant kitchen. Yeah. That wine cellar is not that big. the wine cellar was not that big. Exactly. Also, shoddy housekeeping. That wine cellar was a mess. Okay. I'm just saying. Piper freezes like this little fucking fly and can't freeze the demons for some reason. And so this leads into them having to run around the wine cellar and Prue's like, where are they? Oh my gosh. I want to bring up two things. The demon bridesmaids, they quickly transform into ugly demons and then they like immediately transform back. (laughs) Like, it was like just for show. They were like, by the way, this is what we look like. (laughs) But production can't really have us walking around like this for the whole scene. So (laughs) anyway. Oh my God. Well, I don't think that was actually, I think the only one that actually had the makeup was Jade. And then the other ones I think were superimposed because it did not look real. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, So the other thing, this was never resolved for me. Did Grace betray the Charmed Ones? I don't know. did she just get foiled? Like, did they just find out about it and ruin the plan for them to talk? It is literally never resolved. It's never resolved. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I had the same question. I thought the same thing. I have no idea. Absolutely no clue. So anyway, 
they get rescued because Prue comes in and saves the day as per usual because everything is about Prue. And at the police station, we assume that this is all happening at the same time because, again, Charmed and their time is like bullshit. But at the police station, Andy and Daryl are reviewing some security footage from the estate. And Andy suddenly knows how to read lips. And I would really like for him to read my lips. (laughs) Right now, they're saying, fuck me. (laughs) You're so pathetic. (laughs) A little bit. But I'm okay with it. Um, yeah, so... So, um, Andy can read lips. He's not reading Tyler's, unfortunately. He doesn't know you exist. But, um, he can read Grace's lips on the security footage, saying, killing a priest wasn't part of our deal. And Daryl just accepts that, that Andy suddenly has this talent. And so, then, you know, they're both like, oh... Murder. Murder. Again. I mean, I would like to explore some of Andy's hidden talents, but it's fine. Okay. (laughs) So anyway, they're like, oh, we better go back to the estate now that we have the bare minimum of evidence to do nothing. (laughs) During all of this hullabaloo where the police have no evidence, the wedding has started and the Charmed Ones and Allison go to interrupt the wedding. They're like, I object. And um, Jade immediately summons a storm by saying, by hysterical Percy Jackson, open the skies and piss all over everyone. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, um, that's not exactly what she said. <laughs> it's not, but that's what I heard. It, it, I know, but I, I do want to talk about what she actually said. Go for because it. It's, it's going to be the final nail in the coffin of Tyler and I being pissed forever. Absolutely. Okay, so what Jade says is, by Asteria and Persis, open skies and do your worst. Now, let me tell you why we're pissed off about that. Tell them, Siren. Tell I them. actually learned this information while preparing this podcast episode, okay? So this was not common to me, even though I know a lot about Hecate. Asteria and Persis are Greek titans, and in most legends about Hecate, they are her parents. Which means that the writers of this show did enough research on Hecate to know who her parents were, a fact that I, a practicing witch of 20 years, did not know. Which means they did all that research about her and still, still decided... To portray her so terribly. Yeah. This was a conscious decision, which is, which is what makes me so angry. And that, when I discovered that, I was pissed. Yeah. I was literally just pissed. Yeah. I would be angry too. And your notes say that uh, there's nothing to suggest either of her parents have anything to do with storms or weather working either. No, nothing. So um, they did enough research to get the yeah. names and then applied some random fact to them, just like they did with Hecate. So, cool. So anyway, so invoking the name of her parents creates a huge storm. She casts a spell and summons a storm mm-hmm. in front of the entire audience of her wedding, who all um, understandably freak out yeah a little bit um in this confusion jade grabs elliot and drags him away you're coming with me yeah yeah and the charmed ones follow Mm. them um 
Andy and Daryl show up in their car and they're seeing people fleeing and a storm overhead. And Andy's all like, oh, I wonder what's going on here. <laughs> hmm. Suspicious. Could this be murder? <laughs> right. So um, the sisters barge in on what actually, if you think about it long enough, is a pretty disturbing scene. Um, and they definitely glossed over this. But uh, Hakati, who is now in her hideous demon form, is on the bed with Elliot sort of on top mm-hmm. of him. Um, which is sexual assault. Not addressed at all. Most definitely. Not addressed at all. Yeah. No. And I mean, clearly, like, we sort of know that's where it was going anyway, even though they gloss over that aspect of it. But I want to talk about it a little bit. Because, um, a television show like this would never have gotten away with this scene if the genders of the characters were reversed. Oh, no, it would not. Um, now this is not always true, but for the most part, um, shows like this, especially in this era, and even still, are pretty hesitant to show a man sexually assaulting a woman in a way that could be made light of in any way at all, especially if they're trying to sort of gloss over the violence and keep the show, like, kind of campy and fun. But they will have no problem with doing a gender reversal and making light of or making a joke of a woman sexually assaulting a man, and I feel like that's really what's going on. Yeah, it's fucked up, for sure. And it's just, to make light of that and to gloss over that is just another of the many shortcomings of this episode. And throughout the whole thing, it's not talked about or addressed, as you said. Like, this is what was happening. Her goal was to get him to impregnate her. I'm just sort of thinking of this now, but this episode treats Allison like she's the victim instead of Elliot. Yeah. You know? It does. It does not acknowledge Elliot's feelings about the situation at all. And I know I've made fun of Elliot a bunch in this episode, but that's because he's a straight white guy and Well he like super sucks and I'm I don't I don't care about everybody knowing that, but he doesn't like no. deserve this. Mm-mm. No matter how much you don't care for a person or a character, nobody deserves to go through what Elliot is going through right now. Yeah. And the point is that sexual assault can also happen to men and it's not funny. And it's serious and it needs to be treated with just as much seriousness as when it happens to a woman so the way that this scene plays out is just chaos it's god it's so bad they bust in and the demon is there in full visage and the demon bridesmaids come in and they look all creepy too and prue goes to like check her purse and sees that the poignard is gone and then on the floor, there's, like, an identical purse to hers, just, like, chilling, Which is supposed to be hers, I guess. Because Elliot pulls the poignard out of it after he falls off of the bed. Yeah, it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't make any logical mm-hmm. sense. Nope. Whatsoever. It's, it's almost like they recorded the scene two different ways and, like, cut them together wrong. Yeah. But yeah, like, Prue's holding her purse, but her purse is also just mysteriously on the floor next to Elliot with the poignard spilled out of it. <laughs> I don't... At the same time. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? 
Who absolutely. Bruce Purse is a time paradox, I guess. I guess so. I mean, it was just shoddy editing. And I mean, we're going to talk about that. It was terrible. A lot. And it, it, I don't, I mean, it's, there's really no excuse for that. But um, this just utter conflagration of logic exists to put the poignard in Elliot's hands. So that after all he's been through, he can have some kind of agency in vanquishing the demons that did this to him. And then, yeah, Prue uses her squinty eyes to move all of the demons into the poignard. But, like, this blade is like a cursed object now. Those demons are just, like, chilling in there. Yeah, it didn't, like, vanquish the demons so much as absorb them. Yeah, it was like a poignard vacuum cleaner. But can we just talk about how considerate it was of Hecate and her bridesmaids to just sort of line up together and stand there? <laughs> and just stand, yeah. The one good thing that they did this whole episode, yeah. I I feel like they just sort of, like, gave up at that point. They were like, oh, they, well. They really kind of did. But, I mean, that's not the only time that the showdown goes like this, where the demon's just like, let me just get ready. No, take take your turn first. I'll go next. Yes, it's 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 like all of the showdowns are like turn-based play style. It's like welcome to Final Fantasy Charmed Edition. Okay, that would be cool as fuck though. I I'm so upset that there's no Charmed video game. I'm so upset. Yeah. Um get on it. BioWare. <laughs> but yes, there the day has been saved. The demon is gone for the next 200 years, assumedly. Um, there's this really brief shot of Allison and Elliot making up and hugging and having a moment. And then we move on to the sisters because that's who we're really here for. Yeah. Andy meets Prue and she's weird about being there and holding the knife. And Andy's like, okay, let's go talk about it. And that's the episode. (laughs) That's it. That's it. That's the episode. So, um, so I have pulled a, a pretty long quote off of IMDb, but I really don't think that we could say it any better than this does. Um, This was clearly written by a user, and it just reads the episode for filth. (laughs) So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna launch into it. In a well-organized, high-class marriage with hundreds of guests, the bride is secretly replaced just before the marriage with another woman who looks completely different and nobody dares to ask why, not even the legitimate bride's relatives, who never appear. Meanwhile, a man is killed in mysterious circumstances, and there is clear incriminating evidence pointing to some people involved in the marriage, but the police don't arrest nor question anybody. On the contrary, at the end, Andy is probably satisfied with the unidentified murderer and her accomplices mysteriously disappearing into thin air. A handful of people disappeared, but no questions are asked. Before that, by the way, a demon interrupts a public ceremony with hundreds of guests by casting a terrifying spell, and nobody goes to the police crying and shouting for help. Nobody calls a journalist. Nothing. They simply drop it and go home. No search warrant is carried out in the villa, which would find clear evidence of a fight in the cellar. No further investigation is carried out in the security camera footage, which would probably show unbelievable things that would change the perception of the world as we know it. Damn. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. That sums it up, yeah. And to top it all off, I just have to say, this is literally the police not properly investigating a wealthy white family. Yes. 
Tell it like it is. Speak that truth. All right, let's wrap up this fucking dumpster fire. So we experienced a lot of deaths today. And I would have to say that my pick for kill of the day is Elliot's mom and his love for her. Because where the fuck did she go? Where did she go? After we see her crying upstairs, she's just gone. Uh, it's too good. Um... I guess my kill of the day would probably be Father Trask, and it's really mostly just because Low Rent Kelly Ripa did it. <laughs> and I just really like, like, she's such a mood. Like, she's just, she's so, like, angry and, like, haughty, and I guess I just like that so much that I can forgive her killing a priest every now and then. I mean, I was glad to get that plot point over with, too. So, agreed. Insert kill of the day jingle. Also, Father Trask represented, like, religious zealots just, like, walking into your house and trying to kill you. So, you know, he kind of had it coming. I mean, that's why I don't invite in Mormon missionaries. Kill of the day. I guess, I think I would guess if I was going to rank this episode, if I was going to give it my own rating, I would give it one Hikate. One Hecate <laughs> and one Hakati. <laughs> on a on a scale of what though? <laughs> on a scale of mispronunciation. Yeah. Hmm. If I had to rank this episode, I would definitely give it two out of one duplicate purses. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I think that pretty much sums up this episode. Um. It is what it is. This was bad. It was a bad app. It was. Um, Siren, where can the people find you? Well, hey there. You can follow me on my Facebook meme page, Siren Spectacular, non-binary meme witch. You can also follow me on Twitter at Siren Spectacular. And finally, you can watch my coven's YouTube channel, Millennial Incantations. You can follow me on Instagram at Tyler Carson Evans. You can follow the pod across the board on social media at WBRCast. If you have a question or something you'd like to hear us talk about, please send us an email at witchbereview at gmail.com. Also, we are now on Apple Podcasts. So if you would be so kind as to like, rate, and leave a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts, that would help people find us and help grow our platform. We would really appreciate that from you guys. So with that being said, until next time, bye. Bye. Are you a good witch or a bad witch?